Welcome to Straight Talk with Dr. L, where we make complex topics about young children, families, parenting, and womanhood simple. Because high quality knowledge and information about navigating parenting, family, and life should be accessible, digestible, and usable for everyone. Hello, good people. Welcome to episode two of Straight Talk with Dr. L. This past week has been a trying time in our country. The events of social injustice that we have witnessed were a lot for adults to process. Just imagine the challenge of a young developing mind attempting to make sense of complex topics such as social justice. That we as adults might still be working through ourselves. So today we are going to discuss talking to our children about issues of social justice. Oftentimes I get questions from parents seeking advice on how to navigate situations of concern that arise during parenting. As a researcher and an educator, most often my answers to these questions will be rooted in empirical data and my professional experience. So this week, when mothers reached out to me about how they could best talk to their children about racism and social justice, I immediately pulled up a document that I used in my classes at George Mason and American University. I answered the mother's questions as a researcher and an educator. Well, fast forward two days later, I'm sitting on my couch having a late night conversation with a friend. And in the midst of our conversation, I get a call. I look at my phone and it's my son attempting to FaceTime me. To contextualize my son in this story, he is a wonderful 13-year-old young man who lives within two households since his dad and I separated and subsequently divorced about seven years ago. My son is also on the autism spectrum. So, back to the story. When my son called me from the home that he shares with his dad, it was 10.37 p.m. I immediately ended the conversation I was having on the phone and my mama brain went into a panic. It's late. Is my child okay? When I answered the phone, I saw the sweet face of my near grown son, but his expression let me know that he was perplexed and in deep thought. So I asked, are you okay? And he said, I have something to tell you. Okay, I braced myself because I didn't know what was coming next. He then said, you know, black lives matter. To which I replied, they most certainly do. Then he said, do you know what that means? I answered, yes. People say that because black people are valuable and we are valued by the people we love and who love us but we aren't always treated like our lives have value. He nodded his head in agreement and said, right. And you know what? And I answered, what? Then he said to me in all the seriousness of a 13 year old trying to make sense of the world 
a man died. A man named George Floyd was killed by the police because he was black. Listen, y'all, I was not ready. I was not prepared to have this conversation with my baby. So I said a quiet, internal, constant prayer. Lord, guide my words. As my child continued to describe his interpretation of racism, I had to gently guide his thinking to ensure that as we process this complex topic together, we did so in a way that would not impede on his future progressive thoughts and image of himself and his greatness as a black person. Therefore, I had to help him understand racism as a systemic problem in our country to ensure that he didn't internalize its impact as a part of his blackness. So in the space of 10 minutes, as my son paced in circles around his bedroom, I had to have my version of the talk with my son. I started this talk by explaining what ancestors are. Then I walked my son from when our ancestors were just regular people living on the continent of Africa to when our ancestors were enslaved and brought to this country as chattel and introduced to the people in this new world as personal property and not people. And because of this initial introduction of black people as property instead of people, although we have proven otherwise, it is a deep-rooted belief in our country that people who were once considered property don't have the same rights and feelings as people who have always been considered people in this country. That belief is so deep that some people don't even realize they believe it. That's called an unconscious bias. And biases can sometimes cause people to treat other people very badly. And sometimes that treatment kills people like it did with George Floyd. Then I explained to him, that's why we don't say our ancestors were slaves. Our ancestors were people who were enslaved by people who saw them as property. It's important that we always see people as people because when we don't see people as people, we run the risk of treating other people like things and not people. So all that you see going on in the world right now, son, is the lingering impact of people who didn't see and treat people as people. This is not about you or your blackness. This is about people who don't accept people as people. He understood and his resolve was to bake a chocolate cake the next day with his dad and write Black Lives Matter and George Floyd's name on it. He seemed at ease, which placed me at ease for now. We ended our conversation with good nights and kisses. But 
our conversation stayed with me until the morning. And I got up and I wrote about it because I realized that while I answered the question of the mothers earlier that week as a researcher and an educator, I answered the question that was weighing on my son as a mother. So I felt the need to better answer the question of how do I talk to my child about social justice? Because there's an extra pocket of empathy and compassion that appears when I look at a topic through the lens of a mother. Particularly because I am the mother of a child with disabilities. What parenting a child on the autism spectrum has done for me is challenge me to compassionately explain everything simply and explicitly to ensure my child understands and is able to transfer new information and knowledge into his everyday life. And that's what the mothers who reached out to me wanted to do for their children. And they were asking me for help. So, because you are in my village, as are they, I am here to support. So, Let's have some straight talk about how to discuss issues of social justice with our children. Now, I have broken this down into six simple steps, and I'm going to walk you through those six steps. Now, step number one is recognize your implicit biases about the topic before you begin the discussion with your child. We have to do the work first. So now, what exactly are implicit biases? Implicit biases are attitudes, stereotypes, and beliefs that can affect how we view and treat others. They are colored by our exposure and lived experience and culture. Everyone has them. They're not good. They're not bad. They're just there. It's simply the way we see the world, but we have to acknowledge them. We acknowledge them so they don't manifest themselves in potentially harmful ways during our conversation and treatment of others. For example, if you feel strongly about a topic you need to step back and practice or write down how you want to introduce this topic to your child. If you don't take this reflective time, if the conversation gets kind of uncomfortable, you will potentially say the first thing that comes to your mind. And without purposeful practice, the first thing that comes to our mind generally reflects our implicit biases. And since we want to give our children space to develop their own thoughts and feelings, we have to take time to check our implicit biases before they seep out into our conversations with our children. Essentially, we must think before we speak. Now, step number two, speak in neutrality. To support independence of thought, speak in neutral tones and from a neutral perspective. So, in emotionally charged topics, stay clear of using people's names or using pronouns such as us, them, or those. 
People's names personalize concepts, making them immediately subjective. And that's the opposite of neutrality. And pronouns such as us, them, and those are separatists. And they don't foster the spirit of social justice, which by definition represents the best interests of a collective society. For example, if Bobby was unkind to Sally and your child witnessed it and asked you about it, instead of saying Bobby was wrong for being unkind to Sally, try saying whenever you see a person being unkind to another person, we know that's not a good decision because people should be kind to one another. You have now neutralized the conversation. Step number three, contextualize the topic or concept. This builds empathy. Bring the topic home by relating it to something that has occurred in the child's life. Use this occurrence as a point of reference. For example, you can say, remember when we were at the park and the little girl said you couldn't play with them and the other children laughed? How did that make you feel? Then give the child an opportunity to respond. Afterwards, say, that's why it's important to be kind because we don't want to make anyone feel the way you felt that day because that was no fun. We have now given the child the opportunity to empathize with the victim of the socially unjust act. Step number four. Talk about the best case scenario. Now that we have situated the concept in one of the child's real life experiences, we want to establish the ideal for that scenario that we just used to contextualize the topic or concept. And we want to use that to allow the child to begin to cultivate developmentally appropriate problem solving skills. For example, ask What would you have liked to have happened that day? Or what would have made you feel better that day at the park? Generally, your child will detail how they would have liked that day to have played out. And the child may give an answer like, I wish the girl had let me play or I wish the kids hadn't laughed at me. Now you have established the thing that could have been different. That will lead you right into step number five. Be the change. Now that you have given your child the opportunity to see that things could have been different that day in the park, empower your child to be a change agent. Do this by explaining to them that they can do for others what they wish someone had done for them in that scenario. For example, you can say, I agree that day would have felt much better if you had been invited to play and not laughed at by others. So I want you to remember that because you have the power to make someone else's day better. So if you see a kid being told he can't play with other kids, you have the power to say, that's not nice. You shouldn't say that to people and I'll play with you. You also have the power to say, hey, don't laugh at him. That's not nice. 
You have the power to be for someone else what you wish someone had been for you that day. You have just given your child the power and permission to interrupt social injustices. Lastly, step number six, bring it back home. Now that you have spoken objectively, made the concept relatable to your child's life, talked about how the situation could have been better, and explained to your child that they have the power to be an agent of change, go back to Sally and Bobby. For example, you can say, I'm certain Sally would have appreciated you speaking up for her when Bobby was unkind to her, much like you would have appreciated if someone had spoken up for you in the park that day. Next time, let's try to make the decision to speak up. I'll support you 100% and then some. And I love you. You have now answered your child's initial question explicitly. You have also empowered your child to make the decision to be the change needed to make the world a better place for others. And most importantly, you have assured your child that they have your support, love, and respect. In closing, children should be given the opportunity to practice social justice on their most local level before being expected to exercise and understand social justice on a global or national level. While in this discussion I refer to school-age children, these six steps can be easily applied to children at various ages and stages of life. So, talk to your children and help them process and understand the concept and spirit of social justice, thereby empowering them to grow up and be the change we need to see in the world. Changing the world in which we live for the better happens one household at a time. And together, we got this. Boom! Each week on Straight Talk with Dr. L, I will work through a topic related to young children, families, parenting, or womanhood with my top-notch village to which you now belong. So, to ensure the topics are relevant to your needs, concerns, and interests, the topics for each episode will be developed based on questions submitted to AskDrL at KinderJam.com. So, shoot me an email at AskDrL at KinderJam.com. And lastly, remember, it takes a village. And if you didn't have one before, you certainly have one now. And together, we got this. Boom! Let's talk again soon.